What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, the Falcons suck again, Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? I'm doing well, Graham. You're doing well? You're actually excited today yeah. to be alive on the planet? It's good. Well, last week we did the remote pod, which I hate, so I'm just happy to be back in front of my good friend again talking sure. about our 0-1 football team. I yeah. went, what's new? We're 0-1. What's the big deal? Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been like that for four years. Why are people getting so bent out of shape? I know. I mean, the Packers lost 38-3. to Do you think that their fans are freaking out or, about it? Yeah, are saying that Aaron Rodgers sucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably. Sure. I mean, I think they're, they're saying that he has given up on being a Green Bay Packer. Right. Ipso facto, he sucks. But, you know, 0-1-1 is 0-1-1, Graham, so I'm still happy to be here talking about my favorite football team, the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel as well? Yes. I mirror those sentiments. 100%. <laughs> you're, you're doing well, Graham? Yeah, yeah. It was a classic kind of get angry Sunday when I hadn't gotten angry over a Falcons game in a while, so it was kind of nice. Not that I, you know, we talked about it. We didn't really have high expectations Going into this season, I think I said our ceiling was winning eight games. I predicted we'd win eight games, which I look like a fucking idiot now. I, I just don't think I should ever have any expectations for the Falcons ever again until they actually show me something. But, you know, it was just like, it was so weird watching that game. It was like new life. You know, those first couple drives, you know, they stalled out. It was like, oh man, the offense is moving with precision. We got Hayden Hurst sneaking out of the backfield. We got play action of Calvin Ridley over the middle. It looked good. You know, Corderell Patterson looks amazing. Mike Davis looked pretty good. And after those first two drives, everything just died on the offensive side of the ball. In fairness, eight wins, it's not like you had huge expectations. Those are very mediocre expectations. Yeah, I didn't say we're going to the playoffs. I never said that. And I I still think that at this point, like what we're looking for out of this football team is improvement. And the most disappointing part of week one to me was just the offense. In the past, that's always been there, you know, for the most part. Like, we'll have spurts where we look great for the first half, or we'll turn it up in the fourth quarter, and that just never happened at all. And it's like, shit, man, could Dirk Cutter have dialed something up better than that game plan? I Like, that. that's what w- was most disappointing to me, is just the offensive performance. That was completely unexpected. Although, you know, we discussed it a thousand times about the offensive line, and that's what this game came down to was offensive line and sloppy penalties yeah i mean let's 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 break it down a little bit statistically so first two possessions oh oh, by the way in case you didn't watch the game we lost yeah we lost 32 to 6 i actually got the score right because i watched the game 32 6 yeah okay yeah six six freaking points all in the what first quarter and first two drives yeah it's, it's just crazy so first two possessions 144 yards 13 first downs it's pretty good that's, that's, that's better than good. That's well above average. Um, last 10 possessions, 77 yards, only seven first downs. A considerable drop-off. The Falcons were flagged 12 times for 99 yards. Half of those were credited to the offensive line. Uh, one of which was just inexcusable having a legal formation at the two-yard line. And I think there's a false start after that, and we're back like the 25. Yeah, um, that that was killer. Yeah, that was God. Mayfield. That was Jalen Mayfield's first uh, big penalty. He's not ready. No, no, at all. No, he had the uh, lowest rated uh, pass blocking grade by Pro Football Focus of a 
four. Jesus. And this is a scale of one to 100. <laughs> <laughs> so, True to Atlanta. Yeah, so like overall, he was like, a, I think he was like around a 30. So, you know, I guess his run blocking is a little better, which we saw you and I were sitting here watching the game and these same two seats saying, oh man, the offensive line actually looks pretty good on some running yeah, plays. Yeah, they, they did. I mean, they, they were manhandling the Eagles defensive line at times. I mean, Cordell Patterson at 54 yards rushing on only seven carries. That's like averaging over seven yards a carry. He looked great. Mike Davis didn't look as good, but it was still impressive the way they were seemingly manhandling the, the Eagles line. We just couldn't do it consistently enough Then we got down too much to continue running the football. I think the thing that really pissed me off the most about this is seeing the duress Matt Ryan was under. He's, he's hit nine times, sacked three times. And, you know, the times where he wasn't under duress, it was like he was hearing ghosts. It was like he was expecting it. And, you know, I think this, you know, the offensive line played like shit, not just Mayfield, but everyone in terms of pass protection. Hennessy up the middle. It was really the interior. Fletcher Cox and those guys who, who are the defensive uh, tackles on that team were just in the backfield in a heartbeat. So Matt had no time. This, yeah. was, this was not just, you know, but at the same time, I don't think it was just a, a poor performance by the offensive line. I think Matt also did not play well, but I put more of this on the offensive line than I would on Matt Ryan. Yeah, Jake, Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom, if you believe in the pro football focus ratings, those two were pretty good, but it was all like the interior, like you said. So if you've got Fletcher Cox just right on Matt Ryan within two seconds, it's like, what are you supposed to do? And that's why I suppose they were hitting all those runs to the outside early on and finding a little bit of success there. But it's like, you know, if Matt Ryan has 1.2 seconds to make something happen, that, that would explain why all the throws were just like 10 yards or shorter. There were zero deep shots yeah. the entire game that I can remember. He only averaged 4.7 yards per completion, which tells you a lot. The thing that really frustrated me, though, is like, why couldn't we have come up? When that started happening, we didn't adjust. We didn't put you know, extra protection in the backfield to have a running back maybe chip and, and help in pass protection. We didn't put an extra tight end out there enough to, to help with pass protection. Um we didn't do anything to mitigate the Eagles being all over Matt. And also, we didn't do that in the way the plays were constructed. There were no, like, quick slants. There were no quick outs. I mean, there were, there were small passes, but they weren't. It just felt like all these routes, when I looked down the field, it seemed like everybody's running up the field too much, a little too far. Even though I know Matt was only 4.7 yards per completion, but it just felt like these routes were taking too long to develop. We need to, just, you know, we need to try screens. We need to do... Just more to get the ball out of his hands if the pass protection is going to be so bad, either in blocking or in route design. And no adjustments were made to mitigate the Eagles' fearsome front seven. I did hear that we used the most personnel packages out of any team in the NFL, which is a good sign that I I think they were trying different personnel packages. It just didn't feel like, you know... Well, yeah, when when you have a left guard with a (laughs) 1.4... pass blocking grade there's you can't hide that you know yeah uh so that, i mean they were only they only needed to send four right on so the they rush didn't they, so they, they didn't even have to blitz they, so. they blitzed the least i think out of anyone in the league i think it was 7.7 percent or something like that but but don't you agree that we could have thrown another running back back there or just something someone to pick up those defensive they, they should have I, I did tackles. i did see some replays where keith smith would be on jake matthew's side 
and on Lindstrom's side, where he probably needed to be yeah, behind he, Mayfield on the other side. Yeah, he was on the other side. Um, so that dude did yeoman's work on the backfield. He's pushing people around like crazy. He even caught a couple of passes. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Where like out of the positives from the team, like really, you can say Patterson was a positive. Corey Dell Patterson. Yeah, he was a big surprise You're for back a lot of running people. Back. And then Keith Smith <laughs> looks solid. That's about it. Uh, but yeah, that that's about it. Like, what are you gonna say, Young Way Koo? Because he hit both of his field goal attempts, right? Uh, um, I, I I don't I don't know where to point there. And the, the two offensive pass interference calls were really frustrating. Mm-hmm. One negated a, like a thirty yard uh, screen to Mike Davis. Calvin Ridley kind of just it was a pick play that he just hung on to the defender for too long there. I don't remember the other, uh, the other one was, but it was brutal. And it's just like this was not a football team ready to play. No, they uh, looked very out of sync. And you know, so we got to go back to the preseason and. You can instantly second guess Arthur Smith over whether or not he sh- should have played all these starters together for a little bit. You know, brand new offensive starting line, uh, brand new playbook. Like you would think that they would want some time, and like obviously, you know, maybe maybe they played Week One as a preseason game that's of sorts, stupid. which is not what you want to do no, when it's a team that count. it's it's a team that we should have beaten. So, or at least have a, a chance to win. You know, I expected a competitive game. Yeah. It was very disappointing. And, you know, the defense, they gave up, what, you said 32 points? Yeah. They looked better than I thought they would at times. You know, it kind of all fell apart in the second half because the offense did absolutely nothing. Uh, but once again, with no pass rush, we had one sack. Your boy, Jacob Tuioti Mariner, mm-hmm. I believe you were outside grilling when, yeah. when you got the sack. So you didn't even get to witness it. that. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty <laughs> exciting. It felt like a good start to the second half. Well, you know like, what was interesting about what Pease did? It seemed like he was playing a more conventional defense, rush forward, drop everyone else back in either zone or man coverage, mostly zone. And then with about four and a half minutes left in the second quarter, he starts sending more blitzes. And we were actually getting to Hurts multiple times when we started doing that. But we couldn't finish. Grady mm-hmm. Jarrett missed a sack. Means missed a sack. A couple other guys missed sacks. I mean, there, there were opportunities to really shift momentum a little bit. But, you know, this, 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 this loss overall is not on the D. It's definitely more on 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 the offense for sure. Six points in today's NFL against a you know subpar defense, I would say, minus the the, the front four, is pathetic. And it just sucks so much to see so many of the issues we've had over the last half decade with the red zone not not converting in the red zone. That's what Arthur Smith was brought in to do. Dog shit. You, you know, and so the the first play, Russell Gage would have been wide open, but he fell. Uh, the first time we were in the red zone. And then the second one was the penalties. So it's like, I'm not going to read too much into this, but we need to see improvement in week two. I understand we're playing the champs. I don't, don't worry. I'm not expecting a win. Yeah, no delusions of grandeur. No, but we need to see a team a lot more ready to play. We got to cut out the sloppiness. We can't, we can't kill ourselves. Even, even for the coaching to not, at the end of the first half where they had that long completion that we're looking at, and it's like, oh, no, he that was not a catch. You remember that from the Eagles? Oh, yeah. It was With like a go dirt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Eagles rush to the line and get the snap off before Arthur Smith challenges anything. It's like, you can't do that. And yeah. then they end up scoring a touchdown, and that completely changes the game. It would have been, what, like a 6-6, 9-6 game going into something, the half? Something like that. It would, it, it would have been close. So yeah. it's just like the coaching wasn't ready. The, the players weren't ready. 
And, uh, you know, the whole Jalen Mayfield mess is, I, I don't know what we do from there. We, we've got that kid, uh, well, not the kid, but the veteran, Colby Gossett, I believe, yeah, that we signed Cleveland. We signed a couple weeks ago. You would think that he's going to have a much bigger role in this game. You, you can't just throw Mayfield back out there. No. Dahlman played some. I don't think he was much better than Mayfield, but definitely better. So if you got to go to Dahlman, Gossett, I was hoping we'd sign someone, but we're sitting here on Tuesday and that hasn't happened yet. Uh, but just any trash veteran is going to be better than what Jalen Mayfield was doing. Not to say Mayfield, like, you don't write a guy off after one game, but he wasn't supposed to be in this position at all. No. Like, he, he was supposed to be a guy that, you know, sits for half a year, gets some more practice reps. To be thrown in week one against Fletcher Cox, it's it's just not realistic to expect good results there. Yeah. And he's a third-round pick. He's not like some scrub, you know. Mm-mm. And he just looks over overwhelmed. And a lot of people said that, you know, and who knows who's right and who's wrong on all this shit. And, we, and like you're saying, we can't judge him entirely after one game, although we can say he's not ready yet. But a lot of people said this is a reach for a third-round pick. So I guess time will only tell whether or not that's that, that's true. But after one game, woof. And it's not going to get any better if he plays next week, going up against Sue and the rest of that defensive line that Tampa Bay has. You think the Eagles' defensive line is good. We're in for a world of pain next week uh, if we play like this again. Yeah, I think the line for that game is at like something like 14, 14 and a half. Jesus Christ. Low expectations for the Falcons, Yeah, to say the least. I don't blame Vegas for that, though. It does suck just after, like, when we're sitting here in the third quarter, and it's like, man, it already feels like Deja this thing's a wash. Yeah. But, you know, it's our, it's our worst season-opening loss in 34 years since they lost 48-10 to 10 at Tampa Bay in 1987. So not not great, not great. But like I said, there's some other teams out there that got their asses handed to them this week as well. And week one's just weird. Like, obviously we weren't ready. No. You, you don't know what these other teams are. Maybe the Eagles are great. Maybe Jalen Hurts is great. I don't know. Well, they've looked great on Sunday. I mean, we're going to make probably a lot of teams look better than they are. But the thing that is frustrating, let's go back to the preseason argument. I get Bruce Arians not wanting to do that, you know, because he's bringing back every freaking starter from the defending Super Bowl champion team. And he's an experienced head coach. He's been coaching the league for like 20 years or something like that as either an assistant or a head coach. Arthur Smith has never been a head coach. He's working with an entirely new roster. What the, what the hell? It, 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 the results bore out on Sunday that we should have had, you know, a normal preseason where we're actually playing our starters for at least three or four series, if not a quarter, or if not a half in one of them, just so that we can – injuries be damned. You're not going to do anything this year anyway. At least get some cohesion going so we can come into the regular season and actually look like a freaking NFL team. I mean, devil's advocate if Kyle Pitts gets killed in preseason game three, I'm sure people are bashing Arthur Smith as well. Well, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But once you say that we needed more preparation, that we got an actual in-game experience. Oh, yeah, I already did say yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's just like – it's. That was another thing. Kyle Pitts, only four catches for 31 yards. You know, we already talked about how the offense was in disarray because of, you know, how bad the offensive line was. But it was like he would have benefited from, from seeing more action beforehand. And also, Arthur Smith, where, where was the dynamism on, on, on the offense? I, I, I thought Kyle Pitts was this unicorn hybrid player. He was coming off the end or coming off the line like any other old tight end. He wasn't revolutionizing the, the, the damn position or anything. I don't understand. 
don't understand we couldn't use him in different different packages or line him up out wider in the slot. Like there was all this talk about that, and didn't see that we didn't see one iota of that you know, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean the the only the only thing to think is just that he knew that that offensive line was so terrible they couldn't even reach deep into their playbook. I don't know, Graham. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, you know, we know a little bit more now after seeing a product on the field, but I I can't make any more judgments. Like let's yeah. let's just yeah. let's just see where this goes. But we we need to show improvement, a, a team a lot more ready to play, even even if it's against. Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady, he's, he's on like Instagram or whatever talking shit about 28-3, which, why are we still talking about 28-3? That was 2016, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Or the rest we, of the world does not want to move on, Adam. Maybe, we're, we're just, laughing maybe Tom Brady needs to just retire and then we can move on. The but. problem is, is he's not going to retire. He's going to be playing until like we are 50 at this point. Did you see, did you watch, how much of that Thursday game did you watch? Uh, a good bit. Yeah, same. He looks, still looks so sharp out there. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous at 44 that he's playing the way he's playing. Yeah, and it's this whole Tom Brady on the Bucks thing is just really unfortunate. Like, when it first happened, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, we're going to get to watch him, his career erode, and he finally looks old, and, like, the Bucks are just going to be mediocre, and it's going to be sad for Tom. And now he's turned them into a damn – like, you could see them winning, like – Two, three Super Bowls over oh, yeah. three or four I think, years. I think they could definitely repeat again. I so mean, it's, it, and it just sucks for us because, like, normally week two against the Bucks, it's like, okay, here's a chance. You know, it's, it's like Jameis Winston. He's going to throw four or five picks or whoever was their quarterback before that. And no, no, Tom Brady, yeah. solid as they can be. He's just going to pick us apart. Yep. It doesn't get any better with the rest of the division. I mean, you look at the Saints. They, their defense still looks really good. And Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns. Uh, no picks against um, not the best defense in the world against Green Bay, but you know he looked like a completely new quarterback under Sean Payton. So I know I was I was underestimating the Saints a little bit, not anymore. And even the damn Panthers won too. So it's not like that was unconvincing fashion or anything. But yeah, uh, the only winless team in the NFC South. Yeah, we're about to be zero and two. Let's yep. let's just move on from that fact. And uh, you know we could still be. Three and two going into the bye. Good. We got Giants after that. I think Jets and the Jaguars or some. I don't know. Bad teams. I think the, the, the football team, team yeah. are a little better than, than the Giants for sure. But, you know, I know we had talked about it ever since we've moved to Pigskin Podcast Network, who now uh, presents the show, that, you know, we were going to try and do each week a preview with uh, the opposing team's podcast. We don't want to do that this week. What What, what is their... What, what, what will be gained by us being like, you know, talking to somebody and be like, well, do you think Tom Brady still got it? Or what do you think? Where's the deficiency on Tampa Bay? Bringing back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl <laughs> team. You know, it's like, what, what the hell are you going to get out of that? So we, we like to not to even reach out to the Tampa Bay podcast uh, this week. Because we feel like it would be a waste of our time, their time, and your time. If anything, they're just going to pick on us. Right, for being losers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... We'll just get in a big battle, and that it's going to be a terrible relationship. Right. You know, let's uh, let's not put anyone through that pain. No. You know. No. What are we going to discuss? Like, well, you know, I'm really concerned. Like, the Matt Ryan. And this is a real thought of mine mm-hmm. that Matt Ryan is going to definitely get injured at some point this year. Oh yeah. And we are looking at Josh Rosen as our starting quarterback. Josh Rosen did actually see the field. For a couple plays. I, and I was excited, but then he just handed it off. So. Yeah. I hate that shit when you're down by, like, double digits and it's like, let's just hand it off. 
Uh, I hate that. I mean, I know the game was lost. And you don't want to risk anyone getting injured, but it's just, oh, just take a knee if you're going to do that. I'd rather just take a knee than do these, these little stupid runs up the middle. I don't have anything else to talk about with these Falcons, Adam, unless you have something that you want to say. Yeah. You, you promised a rant pre-show, so I'd like to hear it unless you've already already done it. No, 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 no. It's it's not so much as a rant as just it is shocking how you go to Falcons Twitter is going to be on fire this year. The negativity is off the charts, as you can understand. But just got to keep in mind that this is a it, the first. It's the first game he's ever coached. We lost. We got our asses kicked to Tampa Bay the Super Bowl year. You know, like. Week one's going to look sloppy. Let's everyone throttle back a little bit. But there was one specific fan on Twitter who he said something about how he's going to turn in his Atlanta fan card. Oh, I saw you get in a, a discussion with this guy, with yeah. Brian Fennerin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like he, he said something about picking a new team. And all I said to him was like, that's fine. Just you can't come back once we start winning. Right. And he went on something about how he's been an Atlanta sports fan for 40-something years and blah, 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 blah. He's not concerned about it. But it's like, that's the problem with Atlanta. Atlanta sports, anyways. Like, do you see the Cleveland Browns? who They haven't won a week one game since, like, the 80s. They had they went 0-16. I feel like they've done that at least twice. They've been through, I think, 30 starting quarterbacks for the last 25 years or something like that. And do you think any of them were ever like, I'm turning in my fan card? And that's a city that's suffered for a long time with sports. Yeah. Like, I mean, they went like 50 years without championship until LeBron won, whenever that was. It's like things get tough for a few years. You jump off the wagon. You become an Atlanta United fan for a few years. And then you jump off that bandwagon once they start losing again. And, oh, wait, they might be good again. You want to jump back on the Atlanta United bandwagon and off the Falcons bandwagon. It doesn't work like that. No. You're either in or you're out or... Just don't just say you generally like sports, okay? Right. D- don't don't be on Twitter posting your opinions and how sad you are if you're just going to jump off, okay? You know, imagine how much sweeter it's going to be. Like, so where, right now, where would this guy go? He's going to go to the Chiefs. He's, oh, Patrick Mahomes, that guy's really great. He's fun to watch right now. Okay, cool. They win a Super Bowl next year. Do you think that guy gets an emotional burst from that? No, no. The team he's been following for 40-plus years, you better suffer with that team. And then if somehow we ever put it together, it's going to be that much more joyous. Of course. I will admit there was a period of time. It was after that 2005 Braves loss against the Astros in the NLDS. We lost in like 18 innings or whatever. We blew like a three-run lead in like the eighth inning or whatever it was. I was like, I can't do this. And for about four years... I did not follow the Braves very closely. But then I came back in 2010. Right. But you didn't pick a new team. No, absolutely That, that was for your mental health. That was for my mental I was like, I can't do this right now. And I was 15. You know, I was just frustrated. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to the playoffs every year and losing the first round. I can't deal with this shit anymore. We're never going to, you're never going to get over this. And then, you know, I came back in 2010. But, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm going to go be a, uh, I don't know, Washington Nationals fan or something, you know, God forbid. Like, I still cared about the Braves. I still watched them every once in a while. I just wasn't, like, emotionally invested. And then in 2010, Bobby's last year, I was like, all right, I'm back in. And there's nothing wrong with being a casual fan. Right. Not everyone has to, you know, do a weekly Atlanta sports podcast or listen to a yeah. weekly Atlanta sports podcast. I'm not, like, I'm not looking down on casual fans. 
I'm just saying the concept of turning in your fan card after what is probably going to be a like it's a rebuild. Like everyone knows this is a rebuild. Oh, you're admitting it now. Like it's a retool for yeah, sure. Right. So uh, I remember you're like, I just don't see how this is a. You can say this is a rebuild. I'm glad you're finally. I think that, I still think we're going to win our, our fair amount of games this oh. year. Yeah. You still think we'll win over six games? Yes, like I do. Oh, okay. I do. I do. Um, but it's like I, I just I just don't get it. I got very frustrated with that man. Yeah, I could tell. You could you could see the tension behind the words. Like sometimes when you read text stuff, you you can't quite tell what the person's intent is. It was very clear what your intent was. Like I could hear your voice saying like, those things. That's fine. Just don't come back. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, we we can still enjoy watching our shitty team if that's what they are. Exactly. And there was uh, one other Twitter thing I forgot to mention. People have been getting upset that we drafted Pitts over Panay Sewell 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 on the Lions who's 6'5", 330 pound tackle sure the Lions drafted and it's like after one game they're like why the hell don't we draft Sewell you can't and I'm sure some of the people that are saying that were also the ones that are like oh yeah Kyle Pitts hell yeah blah 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 so I you know it's just it's, it's this big overreaction after one game it's like I I would I sat here and said after the Kyle Pitts pick because of the potential of how he could revolutionize position, even if he's a bust, I'm cool with the pick. There are other great offensive linemen that are going to come around. We don't know if there's going to be another person that fits this profile that could really be this tight end wide receiver hybrid long term. That we, we might never see someone like that again. So take the chance on that kid. I'm fine with that. The time to have been drafting offensive linemen and defensive linemen was the last five years, and we missed on all of those. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been upset if we drafted that guy. That was a guy I, I, I certainly was interested in. Sure. But I'm not going to, like, crucify Terry Fontenot after one game and just be like... Well, and Sewell doesn't play guard. Our issue right now is guard. True. And we so, already have tackles. You're not going to move... Like, Sewell's supposed to be a generational tackle as well. You're not going to move him to guard. No. It's like... Yeah, we need guards. Yeah. Yeah. Like, our tackle position's pretty, pretty set for the most part. But also, you know how many catches Calvin Ridley had his first NFL game? Uh, I think he put up a goose egg, right? Yes, yeah. he had zero. Yeah, his first week. Yeah, so and it's like he's worked out fine. Yeah, don't. There's no reason to to freak out over one player's. Give it a few weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like if he's not doing anything by week seven, you're going to start being like, okay, what what the hell? Unless, of course, the offensive line continues to play as bad as it did. Like it, it's a big reclamation project happening in Flowery Branch right now. All right, Adam. That's enough about these silly Falcons. Let's transition to the quieter, more contending Atlanta Braves. Maestro, I'll let you take it away. It's been a pretty good week for the Braves. We were going to the series against the Nationals, followed up by the Marlins, so we knew that we had to do some work. I, I believe last week, last week at this time, I think we were like two, two and a half games up on the Phillies, and thank God the Phillies just kind of screwed the pooch again and lost three out of four to the Rockies at home, which is not good. Like, the Phillies have done this twice now. It's the Rockies, and then they got swept by someone really bad. The Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks a couple year. weeks yep. ago. Like, if they do better, so we're five and a half up now, I believe? Or is four, it four, four, and, a four and, a half, and a half? As of Tuesday. So, but we're hitting the stretch now where we're about to go out west, starting this weekend to the Giants. Then we got the Diamondbacks and the Padres. 
Yeah, we do have three against Colorado this week, which is important to take care Correct. of business. Yeah, got to take care of business at home. Uh, but the Phillies, I believe they play the Mets right now. And then they have the Orioles, the lowly, lowly Orioles. They're starting to play a little better, though, recently. Didn't they give up like 27 runs on 22. Sunday? 22. <laughs> but they won like five games <laughs> playing, in a row before Playing that. baseball? They, they, beat, they, beat the, uh, they beat the Yankees in a series. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, they actually won the season series against the Yankees this year, believe yeah. it or not. Huh. Well, you never know, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Any given day. They could steal one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they've got the Orioles and then I think the Nationals at home. So we got to, you know, if we can just play 500 ball on the road, we're in good shape. Yeah. I think, I think 80% chance of making the playoffs 90 right now. So like, it's fine, you know, but my concerns, Graham, with this, uh, Braves team right now, the bullpen has been leaky. Mm. Some of the more reliable arms the last week have really been struggling, including your boy, Richard Rodriguez. Yeah, I know he hasn't looked good. Yeah. You're going to have to catch up people on the Braves because I, I really missed a lot of the action because I was out of town last week for pretty much the entire week so I didn't really watch any of the games so it's, it's all on you man this is the Adam Clow show I mean we won two out of three against the Nationals and then we won two out of three against the Marlins right. we, we, it's sort of unspectacular fashion we though. took care of business I mean yeah. Jock Peterson had a walk-off hit after well yeah a, there was that but yeah you know I mean it's just like a lot of maybe not spectacular Adam but you didn't like take somebody and you know throw them on the ground and curb stomp them or anything like that it was just very much like yeah we won the series it wasn't like in decisive fashion where we were clearly like just an unstoppable juggernaut that you kind of want to do against teams like the marlins like washington well if you want some scores graham we beat the nationals eight five we lost four to two that was where rich rod gave up uh back-to-back homers the longest homers you'll ever see in your life uh fastballs right down the middle mm. that'll happen uh, then we sneaked one out. That was the jock game, 7-6, where that was a wild game to watch. That was last Thursday night, where pretty much every bullpen arm that came in gave up a run, and then the Braves came back with home runs. Let, let me dive into this box score a little bit, Graham. So, for that game, you know it went five, gave up two runs, seven Ks. That's solid. We'll take that. Uh, Minter comes in. He uh, instantly gives up a hit. Chavez blows it for him, run for to mentor. Luke Jackson blows a save. Uh, Will Smith blows a save. Rich Rod gives up another home run. Jacob Webb looks phenomenal and closes it out in the 10th. Tell you, don't give up on Jacob Webb. No, I mean, honestly, right now, our arms are reliable bullpen arms are Luke Jackson and Jacob Webb. Jesus. Although Will Smith is throwing 94 right now. Still and I, giving up leadoff home runs and triples and shit. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, God, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, the good news, Friday, Ian Anderson looked really good in his start. Uh, that was that was a solid 6-2 win over the, the Marlins. He had, I believe, uh, nine Ks in that game. Yeah, so five innings, two runs, nine Ks. So that was good to see. A weird Sean Newcomb sighting, uh, one inning, three Ks, so... Let's hope. I that, do not trust let's him. hope that doesn't get his name. I know that's what I'm saying. Further into, I'd it. almost rather have Drew Smiley than Newcomb on the postseason roster. That's that's tough. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't trust either one of them. I don't know. Yeah, then an, an ugly six four loss on Saturday to the Marlins. This was yeah, Rich Rod one inning, three hits, two earned runs uh, after a pretty good start from Charlie Morton. 
three runs, seven innings. So we took care of business. Yeah. We wanted to sweep some of those series, but, you know, we're still in a good position. And my concerns right now, I'm worried about this bullpen. Good news is, like, we've got time to piece it together. Like, Rich Rod, I still believe in him, but he throws the fastball like 90% of the time. And he's going to have to start mixing it up some because pe- people are just dialing in on that. Like, well, I think it's a location thing. Uh, based off what you were saying, but also just based off watching him since he's come over, he throws his fastball like feels like 80% of the time or something like that. And it's usually over the middle of the plate. He needs to start trying to paint some corners or something or bust people inside because I, I noticed that too when he was coming over. It's like, yeah, he's throwing hard and stuff, but his fastball is kind of flat. And if people start timing it, you know, well, we saw the results of what happened in the last series. I mean, he clearly has success with it. It, it, it must sneak up on guys. Right. Uh, but, you know, if it doesn't have, like, that extra little bit of spin or whatever he's got going on to, yeah. like, make it so he can only throw that one pitch, you know, if guys, major league players can just dial in on that one pitch. For sure. And, you know, if it's if it's not sneaking up on them, it's in the seats. Yeah. So what, who's your hypothetical, like, playoff? Well, tell me about the struggles of some of the other people. Well, my other – oh, you're talking about in the bullpen? In the bullpen, yeah. What else? Who else are you worried about? I know everybody's kind of blowing up right now, but yeah, I mean, Mad Six had a bad couple weeks. Still, yeah. I, I think I think he's going to be fine. But I mean, what I was getting to is the good news is we've got a little time to figure this out still. Like Chris Martin is starting his rehab in Gwinnett tonight, so maybe Mad Six needs one of those <clears throat> phantom uh, injuries. Maybe he needs like a, a sore left uh, breast. Uh, needs to go on the IL and and rehab that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're running out of time. I think we got like twenty games left, so maybe he's due for a ten game. IL stint. Um, I don't know. It's just like, who can you trust right now? That That's the problem. So it's, and like I said, right now, it's Jacob Webb is throwing good. They're starting to put him in more high leverage situations. Will Smith is, you know, like I said, he's throwing 94 again. Possibly good. Possibly <laughs> getting better. I don't know. But then my concern with the offense is just our reliance on home runs. Yeah. We're right around 50% of our runs come via home runs. I know that. Marlins game was it the Friday game? I can't remember. I think we won that one without hitting any home runs, which was rare. I can't remember which game that was. It was one of those games against the Marlins. We did that, and that was the one I think we were so rare. Got a big base hit up the middle, and like I said, I didn't I didn't see it. But yeah, for the most part, you're right. It's like it's it's boom or bust on the on the home runs, and the home runs are great when they happen. But you cannot win the playoffs like that. You cannot just rely on the home run. You've got to be able to play small ball, and this team has shown, even going back to last year, they're not a good small ball team. Even when we were at the peak of our powers, you got Acuna, um, you know, and everyone else, and Ozuna. It's like they were relying on the, on the homer. And, and we will, in my opinion, with the way that this team is shaping up right now, Milwaukee is who we're, going, is who we're lined up against. They're going to they're gonna kill us if we continue to play like this. I don't, I don't agree with that statement. I mean, we... we... We matched up pretty well with Milwaukee before we made all the trades. Like, I certainly wouldn't say we're going to get killed. They're playing some of their best baseball, though. I don't know if you mean, I mean, they got a great pitching staff, solid all-around offense that can the, contribute in multiple ways. We're the, a very one-dimensional Their team. offense is very mediocre compared to ours. So it's, it's kind of like it's their great pitching versus our great offense versus our kind of mediocre but solid starting pitching to their mediocre offense. Yeah, I mean, so it, it'd be, it's going to be a, a five game series. I think they will beat us in four if we keep playing like we're playing right now. I mean, 
you know, it, it's just kind of like I've seen this movie before where it's a very homer happy offense that just gets crushed by, by good pitching in the playoffs. I think it's going to be the same story, unfortunately. That's fair. I mean, the, the difference is we, we are getting guys like, the, I mean, the new guys. I mean, guys like Soler, Jock, Duvall, uh, Rosario has really been stepping it up the He's last been couple weeks. Very good. They, they put good at bats together. That's what we haven't seen from these Atlanta Braves offenses in the past. Like, they're working pitchers deep into the count. So, yes, we're still relying on the home run ball, but we're wearing their pitchers down a little bit more than we have in the past. I love Solaire's approach, man. I'm, I'm never, it's just crazy watching him and his discipline. I mean, it's like every freaking at bat goes to like 3 2, and yeah. it usually works out really well for him. Jock is really coming around, like you're saying. I mean, it's not to say like I'm, I'm just waving the white flag or anything. I think we're like 100% screwed. It just feels like the way we're playing right now, I just it, it just scares me going up against a team like Milwaukee who has that good – if they didn't have as good a pitching staff, I don't really, don't really care. But their pitching staff has been consistently like one of the top five in baseball all season. Well, we'll, we'll learn a lot again um, this coming weekend going out to San Francisco to face the Giants. That's, that's as tough as it gets. Yeah, and we, and we took two or three from them. You know when they were here, so that was that was right. good. So let's, you know, maybe it's one of those things this past week where guys just weren't as jazzed up to play the Marlins and Nationals, which, which shouldn't which shouldn't be the case in a pennant race. Like we're, right. we're definitely in a pennant race still. Yeah, but I mean that happens. You have lulls. It's a 162 game season, and they still won both series. So mm-hmm. you know, mission accomplished. You know, win series, good things are going to happen to you. Yeah, but you I know. love that the Phillies and Mets play each other. So I was getting a little concerned about the Mets because they were starting to play better, but then you saw they showed their ass against the Yankees. I'm not, I'm not concerned about the Mets. I just hope that those teams beat up on each other and they both keep losing and we can you know, keep winning and just settle this pennant rate. I'm, I'm not scared of either one of those teams at all, and I can't wait to play both of them as the year closes out just to establish that uh, Eastern Division supremacy. Yep. So, I mean, it's still we're, – we're in a good place compared to where we were at – the end of July, so it's oh god, it's night and day. Good time to be a Braves fan again. Games are fun to watch, but we just gotta hope that these this bullpen stabilizes. And you know, if we can get Chris Martin looking like a shell of Chris Martin oh when he god. comes back, yeah, that'd be huge. That, that's that's that changes everything. It's also a big deal that we're talking about postseason expectations at this point, considering where this team was, you know, under five hundred until July or the end of July or whenever that was. It's like the fact that we're even talking about this is kind of crazy. And also, you know, losing Acuna, losing Ozuna, um, you know, for other reasons. But it's like, that is nuts in and of itself that we're sitting here talking about potentially playing Milwaukee in the NLDS, considering the first half of this year was so bad. So hats off to Alex Anthopoulos and the rest of those guys in that clubhouse not giving up. It was going to be very easy to pack it in with the way we were playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this team never gives up and... um yeah, let's let's see where it goes. A couple once again, another big start for Tukey tonight. Could be his last in the rotation if he doesn't get his stuff together. Which you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, maybe maybe he's better out of the bullpen for us down the stretch. Who knows? I don't know. Like it was last start, it was only three innings, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got to do something tonight. Yeah, at at home, there's no excuses. You can't you can't blame the Colorado air in Atlanta. That's that's pretty basic. So let's hope that Tukey can turn this thing around. But at the end of the day, we don't. Our top four starters are solid, and that's all you need in the playoffs. And think, remembering back to the playoffs from last year, remember seven-game series was seven straight days. Right. So you needed four, five starters and a much deeper bullpen. So that's not the case this year. It is back to the normal playoff schedule 
where NL, DS, you'll just need three guys. And then if somehow we make it to the NLCS, we just need four. Right. So that, that, fifth, that fifth spot doesn't really matter too much at mm-hmm. this point. I think if I had to, you know, gun to my head, you ask me who our playoff starters are, Morton starts game one. I want Morton getting as many starts as possible in the playoffs. He's our best pitcher. Freed game two. And then Anderson. I'm going with the Anderson game three. And then um, if we were fortunate enough to make the NLCS, Huasker's got to be my my fourth right now. That's that's how I'm looking. Now, something could change where Huasker and Ian may switch, but that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, it was good to see Ian Anderson come back and have a good start this past weekend with the 9Ks because his first two back, I mean, one of them was in Colorado, so that, that kind of doesn't really count. But, like, he had zero strikeouts. So that's that's a little concerning. But it looks like he's he's getting his stuff back. And, uh, he, I mean, he's he's definitely – he's our guy. He's got to be the number yeah. three. And you got to think about it, too. He, you know, think about his career so far. It's called up during this pandemic season, makes like four starts – maybe three, and then it's starting in the NLDS and wild card stuff and NLCS. That's insane. Like, he didn't have a full season to, like, really go through. This is his first full season. It's been pretty good. But I'm still excited to see what he does in the future. I mean, I think he's got just some lights-out stuff that he can continue to develop. Even Freed's not fully developed yet. I mean, that's the exciting part about all these young pitchers. Wasker's come out of nowhere to be an absolute force. He could become a staff ace eventually. We have no idea. These three guys are making meaningful contributions in a pennant race. And they haven't hit their ceiling yet. How old do you think Max Reed is? I think he's 24. 25? He's 28, Bo. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was that old. Max Fried I still 20. think he could get that. <laughs> age, age is just, it's just a bloody number. Yeah, he was kind of an older older prospect when we got him. But remember, he came off those injuries. So he, right. like, he had missed a couple of his younger years. So mm-hmm. he, he does feel a lot younger than that. But he's 28. Like, okay. So he, he's he's nearing like the extension talk time and all that as well, which I would like to lock him up. Yeah, I want him here for the next five years. You know. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was like twenty five or something. No, twenty eight. Christ. Yeah, crazy. But uh, yeah, he's he's got plenty of playoff experience at this point. Yeah, yeah, and um, who knows what happened with Soroka? So that's why it's great that there's been this emergence of Huasker. You know, we expected big things from Anderson and Freed, but Huasker was always a guy who just was kind of on the peripheral. And now he's, you know, he's in the rotation. He's a core piece of this. Still got Muller. He's still got Tucker Davidson. He's been pitching. Uh, Kyle Wright's been pitching really well in AAA again. I'm not, I'm not advocating for him to be called yeah, up, but there, I have there, noticed that. There was squawking about him on the radio today about calling him up if Tukey doesn't perform today, which the only reason I would be okay with that is to get Tukey acclimated to the bullpen to be a force mm-hmm. with us in the playoffs. I don't want Kyle Wright pitching in the playoffs again. I don't after what we saw last year, like no. the, the guy's just a head case. I, like he's a guy. I don't know if I want him around. After like, I wish we could have sold on him a little higher. Yeah, he's, he's one of those prospects you wish you could have um, traded for someone of value that we held on to for too long. But I agree with you 100 percent that I don't think he should come up. I do agree with you that I think we should after this start tonight transition Tukey into the bullpen because I feel like he's one of those guys remember I was talking about how uh, the Nationals use like Scherzer and Corbin and stuff and these like these relief scenarios remember Bumgarner used to do that for the Giants like he'd come in in relief even though he pitched like two days before and finished the game I feel like Tukey's one of those wild card kind of pitchers that has the stuff where he could make a relief appearance in like the sixth inning or something and pitch the rest of the time I would love to get him acclimated in the bullpen and you know and, and pitch him a couple innings get him 
geared up to still, you know, throw his all out there, but do it in a more condensed way so that we can use him as this X-factor crazy pitcher in the, uh, in the postseason. Well, remember Freed in 2018? He came out of the bullpen that right. year, yeah. and he was a beast. Yeah, like he was a big, big wild card. So, mm-hmm. like, I guess I'm wrong. Snicker has done a show like that. I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah. So and, yeah, and Waskar. I think last year Waskar was coming out of the bullpen, and he was awesome. So it's like these young guys. Like, I want Tukey to be a starter, but like, if we don't need a fifth starter in the playoffs, there's no reason. Yeah, yeah. R- run him out of the bullpen. I'd be fine with. I hate to say, put Smiley back there, but. I don't know. I just feel like... If we just need some innings eaten up. Right. I just say, let's get Tukey ready to be some like playoff beast relief pitcher that can do anything we need him to do. Yep. Or if he needs to spot start or whatever. Who the hell knows? But I think it's time to get his mind in a position where he can be prepared to go out there and, and pull off some Bumgarner-like insanity. That's, that's, a, that's a terrible comparison to make to say he's just going to go do it. Or not even that terrible, but it's just hard. You know, it's hard to compare anybody to postseason Bumgarner. Some of the best postseason pitching, probably in the last twenty-five years. But guys have done stuff like that before. The precedent is set, and Tukey's talented enough that he can deliver. I feel like in the playoffs. So, I'd like to see him uh, into that, uh, be sort of eased into that role as the season winds down. Great thing about having all these young arms, we we do have options like that. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of wish that because the rosters aren't as expanded in September as they used to be. So I kind of wish, like, even Kyle Muller was up here right now. Mm. Yeah, it's only, like, three P- people. Pitching right? out of the bullpen, but, you know. Yeah. I guess the, other, the only other Braves news was poor Steven Vogt. Oh, yeah. Two-homer ba- game. Our backup catcher. Like, he, he's been, like, he's been a solid veteran presence in the clubhouse. Pitching staff has loved throwing to him. And then he had a, the game last week against the Nationals where – he kind of kept us in it. That that was the crazy seven six game where there were like three blown saves. Vote hit two bombs, and then like tears some sort of. I don't know. You're the doctor here, but he pulled something or tore like something. Or yeah, something. something popped out. They it, said he's not gonna. They didn't tear anything though. Apparently, from what I've heard, that he's gonna be able to potentially come back. They just don't quite know yet. Yeah. So Contreras is back up to be the backup right now. I just felt sorry for vote. It's like you could, he was on the verge of tears leaving the field. It's like, it was all coming together for him. And then, yeah. but he won us a ball game at least. Yeah. He's been very solid, dependable backup catcher. And that, that was sort of, it sucks too. After having probably the best offensive performance he's had in years that he would, uh, you know, have this crazy hip injury. Yep. Brutal. Yeah. But I think that wraps up today's, episode Adam I don't think there's anything else going on in Atlanta sports I will say I did watch the United game they won 3 nothing. oh wow and it was weird watching this United team they beat Orlando I know is the big rival there's some explosion back in with Atlanta United for the first time in years maybe even since the Tata days they're moving the ball up the field reckless abandon they're trying to set each other up guys look good and Martinez wasn't even playing the the new coach is officially coaching now, right? Yeah, and and it was just completely different dynamic. It was an What's assault. His name? I don't even know his name, is, <laughs> but it was an assault on the opposing goaltender. Like Orlando was hardly ever in anywhere near Guzan. Atlanta United was just pouring shot after shot after shot onto the goal, and they they got three of them. And even from like two minutes in, number nineteen, whose name I can't remember. But he had this amazing Bennett like Beckham shot that was going to the corner of the goal that he, that he took like. 60 feet out or something. It was a beautiful shot. I just hit off the post. 
But it was like it was like a message sent. It was like it was like a warning shot. Like, hey, we're coming for your ass, and we're coming right now. And we may not have hit that one, but we were going to hit multiple goals today. And it, it was a com- completely convincing performance. I was uh, I was impressed. It was the most fun I've had watching soccer probably since yeah, probably since the Tata days. So if you sort of check down United for a little bit, even if you're not a big soccer fan, even though I know you guys know that we and Adam are huge soccer fans, I think it's time to uh, check out United again. Be my recommendation. I admire your passion on that, Graham. Not a lot of facts, but I did say we won three nothing. And number nineteen did have a good look at the goal, and Barco <laughs> scored, and uh, a couple other guys scored too. No, it was beautifully put, Graham. Yeah, couldn't not have said it better myself. Eloquence defined. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good stuff, Graham. Good mm-hmm. stuff. And that's it. That's the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We want to thank you guys for listening. As always, um, please remember to download episodes. That's good for us. Don't just listen to it. Download it off whatever your favorite podcast app is. And we will see you all next week to recap Falcons, Bucks, talk about where the Braves are in the pennant race. And if United plays and we happen to watch, maybe we'll talk about that for two minutes as well. So until then, we hope you guys are doing well out there. Rise up. Chop on. Unite and conquer. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Thompson. Hospital Thompson.